Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Three words. It's game week. We've been hyping this podcast for the last couple of days. And we have got a great one for you. Every single one of our special guests came through. We're not going to tip our hand, but let's just say a couple of them might surprise you a little bit that we had the wherewithal to to get an interview with with some of these guys. We greatly appreciate it, and we'll get into those in a little bit. This podcast is nothing but Michigan State, Michigan. First time since 1964, both teams are in the top ten. First time they ever meet up at 7-0 each. First time I believe they're undefeated against each other since 2010. Now, there have been some great games lately. There have been some great games in this rivalry. Give you a couple fun stats just to get us kicked off. So, you know, lots of people obviously like to talk about, you know, Michigan's overall lead in the series, 71-37-5. Now, granted, a lot of that was before World War II, the lopsidedness, I should say. Michigan State did not even become Michigan State University until the late 40s. They didn't get into the Big Ten almost at all, thanks to Michigan. And then when they did, they got admitted in 49 and then started Big Ten play officially in 1953. We won't even count those four wins in a row Michigan State had from 49 to 53. Since... It, well, let's call it the in the trophy era, in the trophy era for this game, it is 38-28, and I believe two. 38-28-2. So scratch all those 119 nothing, 39 nothing, all those shutouts of MAC, of the you know, the Aggies. We're talking about the rivalry is now. Michigan fans spare me. Your history, I know most of your national titles came before cars were even around. We're talking about now. We're talking about since 1953, when Michigan State was allowed to go toe-to-toe with you, who you were afraid of, clearly, in the Big Ten. This game is the epic of all epics. It, It is. I mean, there's a lot to play for in the next five weeks, certainly. We've talked about it on the regular pod Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State are all going to play each other round-robin style over the next five weeks. It starts with this one. You can take your Penn State, Ohio State, ESPN 730 game and shove it. That game will not hold a candle to this game. It's got game day. It's got 
Fox Big Noon, it's got the Barstool tailgate. The three preeminent shows in one place at one time. That does not happen very often. That's how big this game is. So here's kind of how the show flow is going to go. Ryan and I are each going to give you a little bit of a backdrop history of how we feel about the rivalry. Maybe how we were born into the rivalry. For me, how I transitioned into the rivalry. Then we're going to do a little bit, because you know we love it, a little bit of Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore of the four best games. So between the two of us, we each picked two. Then we've got our three special guests. Boom, boom, boom. Then we're going to come back at you with a Mount Rushmore of best plays in the rivalry. Again, we each kind of came up with two to fill out that Mount Rushmore. It's not each of our own top four. Then we're going to get into what probably a lot of people want to hear is our thoughts on the game, our predictions. We'll end with the sprint as usual, and we'll go from there. This may be an hour and a half. I don't know. The interviews I know are about 45 minutes total. So if you're into this rivalry, you're going to want to listen to every single second of this. I'm sure as we get going, a little bit more of the venom will spew for now. Let's just say this is a big game. It will always be a big game. And Michigan, you can shove it if you say that this is behind Ohio State. I don't buy it for one second. Ryan, it's yours. Yeah, um, going back, I mean, I this week, as the week's gone on, you can just feel this in the air. I mean, the weather's turning to late fall weather, getting chilly, it's cloudy. There's The leaves are falling. It's got that smell in the air. It feels like it's it's almost Halloween. Uh, th- this one, for me, is just getting bigger and bigger um, as the week goes on. And Coach D always used to say, keep the line in the cage. And I don't know if I can coming up to this game. I hope the boys can, but I don't know if I can. This is the most intriguing Michigan State-Michigan game in, in my lifetime, um, probably aside from 2015, honestly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this rivalry, um, I mean, I was thrown into it at, at when I was born. Um, bred and born into it. I've always despised Michigan. doesn't matter what sport there it is. Draymond Green said it best in Divide We Sand. I don't care what sport it is. We need to beat them. I love beating them. Um, I want to beat them in everything. Um, the, the intensity and pageantry in this rivalry is really what does it for me. Um, just love it. The, the back and forth. I mean, I, I have respect for Michigan um, as much as I don't like them. I really do have respect for them and what they've done. I mean, their storied program in football and basketball. Um, but, yeah, it's just the, the intensity. I mean, everyone gets up for this one. doesn't matter if Michigan State's bad. Michigan's bad. It's, it's, you're going to get the best look no matter what, which is really cool. I've been to six games uh, in my life, 05, Michigan State lost, choked the game away. Um, Double overtime? I think it was just single overtime, 34-31, yeah. 07. Um, Mike Hart comments, Michigan State blew that one, 2011. Um, Michigan State wore the pro combat jerseys, 120-14. 2013, Michigan State dominated 29-6. Then 2014, Michigan State again dominated 35-11. Then 2016, I think Michigan won 32 to 23 or something with a bad Michigan State team. So MSU's three and three um, with me being at game. So hopefully I can get to four and three, but just absolutely love it. Look forward to it every year. And I, I mean, honestly, I, I do love winning the other games, but this one means a lot more um, in my opinion. It 100% does. And I can attest how Ryan was born in, into this rivalry. I sang 
<coughs> excuse me, the Michigan State fight song <coughs> to him through the womb every night for nine months before he was born. He had no choice but to believe green and white. Even though he ended up going to play college basketball at a D3 school, <clears throat> he gets the family indoctrination. He bleeds green and white. He's my uh, go-to <clears throat> watch the game together partner, whether it's on TV or in person. You know, for me, it's a little bit of a more cir- you know circular path to the to my Michigan State fandom. Those who listen, you know, some of you may already know this about me, and and for some it might be a surprise. For my high school guys, you definitely know that this this about me. My dad went to Michigan State, graduated in 1972, but his mistake was. As much as, you know, I, I think he really liked Michigan State and, and whatever, he, number one, wasn't quite as into sports as I am. He always told me I'd grow out of it. I'm 48 years old. I ain't grown out of it. Um, you know, I remember things like watching, sitting in his lap, watching Michigan State beat Indiana State in the 1979 <coughs> National Championship game. But even stuff like that, you know, that got me into college basketball. <clears throat> he, he didn't, he, and he traveled a lot, but he didn't have the kind of the same passion that I have, which gave Ryan no choice in the matter. And so impressionable youth, Uncle Tom, maybe you'll listen, maybe not, because this is definitely not about Michigan, lived six blocks from um, U of M Stadium. Grandpa was assistant superintendent at the Michigan Daily. He actually went to Wisconsin. But back in those days in the 80s, we could walk six blocks down the stadium boulevard and go through the open gate and go kick field goals with a Nerf football on the big house turf. And what what kid at that age when Michigan was certainly dominating the rivalry wouldn't be impressed by that. You know, so I was I was quickly shifted into being a Michigan fan as a kid. Fast forward to you know, I watched Michigan State's Rose Bowl run and definitely, you know, it was never a hate for Michigan State. You know, I didn't watch, go out of my way to watch them. Of course, TV back then wasn't what it is today. You know, very few games were on TV. Certainly watched them. <coughs> remember things like the 87 game. Remember the Rose Bowl <coughs> in 88 um, and so on and so forth. But the thing that changed it for me, I was a junior in high school. I went with my dad and a, and a family friend to the Breslin Center, 19... 19- 90. Yes, it was 1990. So junior year <clears throat> was told you better keep your mouth shut because we're this is a big game. It's Michigan State, Michigan. I know you're a Michigan, you know, big Michigan fan, Andy. They had come, you know had come off their national championship in '89. He's like, you, you, you got to be quiet. You got to be quiet. You can root for Michigan if you want, but you don't don't get yourself into a fight. <clears throat> As I watched that game unfold. And I watched the behavior of certain Michigan players. Sean Higgins comes to mind, grabbing his nuts. I immediately snapped from being a Michigan fan to absolutely having a venomous despise for the AA arrogant asses from AA Ann Arbor. Something snapped in me. Reality set back in. Sorry, Tom, all those years you tried. Dave, cousin Dave, same thing. You lost me. I have not looked back. The day after I got accepted into Michigan State in nineteen later in nineteen ninety senior year, my dad and I went down, sat in the south end zone at Michigan Stadium, and watched number one versus no one, and we all know what happened in that game. Michigan State came away with the victory, 
And that was like, that was my true indoctrination in person into the rivalry. I've been to 20 games. I didn't miss a game in the 90s. And regrettably, I went to a lot of the, obviously I went to the road games too. I will never put a cheek in that stadium again. It's a one cheek stadium. You can't fit in there. It's sardines. It's not a pleasant experience. I have utmost respect for Uncle Tom, Cousin Dave, great Michigan grads who are great people and who have a great respect for for me and Michigan State, just like I do for them in Michigan. I don't have respect for the Walmart Wolverines. I'm sorry. If you don't like it, you can, you know what? That's a lot of people. And a lot of times those are the vocal ones. And those are the ones it's the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So I went to every game in the 90s. I went to six games between 2000, 2010 or 2009. And then I've only been to four since because, you know, Michigan said we missed the 2018 game. Ryan being, um, you know, a college basketball player, we all watched it as with his team. Um, we missed another game in there, I think, 2009 because of, uh, you know, rocket football. Um, Michigan State is 8-12 and 12 in my games. I have seen some absolute epics, which we will get into. But at the end of the day, no game means more to me than this game, period. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that I wish, you know, if Michigan State went 1-11 every year, I'd be okay with that. But if they had to, as long as that win was against Michigan, that's what would matter to me. All right, Ryan, let's talk Mount Rushmore. I believe before we get into our guests, our first Mount Rushmore is top four games in this rivalry. Yes. Two for me, two for you. Yes. So you go first. Yeah, so um, looking at this, I mean, we kind of didn't know if, if we we're going to do best games in general or our favorite games. I'm kind of going favorite games. I mean, you could. <clears throat> there have been a lot of great games that have gone both ways. I mean, if you're looking at the Michigan side, 2004, I mean, that was a tremendous game. Triple overtime, Michigan State blows a lead, loses. 2007, Michigan State up 10 going in the fourth, blow a lead, lose. Um, so Michigan's had a few good ones there as of late in my life, 17 in the last 17 years. But in the 22 years of my life, two stand out to me for Michigan State. And my number one, always will be my number one, I think, that I've been to. Um, and that's the minus 48 game, November 2nd, 2013. Michigan State won 29-6. Um, Michigan State's defense dominated. I mean, they sacked Devin Gardner like every other play. Michigan was going backwards. They had fourth and 48 once. They had fourth and 38 a couple times or around that. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff there. Um, Michigan State was dominant on defense that game and then sealed it on offense down the stretch. Um, definitely one of my favorites. Cold no, early November day. I mean, windy, um, raining, wonderful, wonderful football weather. And then another one for me that obviously wasn't at it, never been to Michigan Stadium, but October 25th, 2008, the, the day that the rivalry rivalry flipped um, for D'Antonio and Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State won 35-21 um, over a not great Michigan team, but, I mean, it's a rivalry, so guys show up for that one. Javon Ringer a big day. Michigan State forced a lot of turnovers. Uh, probably should have won by more, honestly. They didn't finish many drives in that one, but... That game kind of flipped it and like really got me into like knowing what what it was all about for Michigan State. Um, especially, that was, I think that was one of the first time. This is the first time I remember them winning um, against Michigan. So those two for me um, go with your two. Yeah, and one I'm going to admit I've only seen highlights of. I would have been you know six years old. Again, games were not really as prominently on TV certainly back then. You know, I wasn't quite the 
quite the sports fan I am now when I was six, although Ryan was. <clears throat> but I got to go to 1978. And that happened on October 14th, 1978. Michigan State had started that year one and three. A guy that some people might know, <clears throat> all-time great Tiger and Dodger, Kirk Gibson, was still and still to this day holds the season record for um, yards per catch at Michigan State. It was something crazy, like over 20, maybe 22-something yards per catch. Michigan State goes in, plays number five Michigan, one and three, stung, hadn't been playing very well, had been getting, you know, not, you know, not, they were pretty close games, but had lost to Purdue. You know, they had smoked Syracuse, but they lost pretty bad to a number three USC team. They had lost, you know, coming off a loss to Notre Dame. They went down to Ann Arbor with Eddie Smith and Kirk Gibson and won that game 24 to 15. And the reason why I picked that one is because after Bo Schembechler arrived at Michigan in 1969 and Michigan State stung them, he went on a run, <laughs> a big run. Michigan State had didn't beat Michigan again until 1978 after that. So they ran from 70 to 77 straight. And then they had dominance from 79, <coughs> really until Perlis came around. Um, 84 was the next time I think Michigan State won. And then it started to become, uh, you know, kind of an every three-year thing. So that's one for me that stands out. I just think for a lot of reasons where it was, unfortunately, you know, that started Michigan State went 7-1 and one in the Big Ten that year. Won the, won the Big Ten, but couldn't go to the Rose Bowl. Um, Daryl Rogers, that coach, and then he beat feet for Arizona State. Michigan State was on probation, unfortunately. Um, but that was a satisfying win for sure in the rivalry, I would say. <clears throat> and the other one for me, you know, there's been a lot of memorable moments, both sitting in the in the armchair, certainly, and, and watching from the chair or from the couch, but and then also in the stadium. But something about that 1990 game, no one gave Michigan State a prayer in that game. Like I said, it was number one versus no one. Keith Jackson on the call, epic. You know, anybody who's back from back in that era loved a game that Keith Jackson did. It was a great game. Michigan State absolutely dominated the trenches. Highland Hickson and Tico Duckett both went north of 100 yards. I think they each maybe even had two touchdowns. I mean, Michigan State controlled the line of scrimmage, but in, <laughs> unfortunately, true Michigan State fashion, found little ways to let Michigan hang around including a very late touchdown um, until Desmond Howard famously dropped the two-point conversion that would have won it. A lot of people will say, why did Michigan go for two in that? There was no overtime back then, so it was either a tie or try to get the win as the number one team. Um, because of the, you know, having been accepted the day before that, that date was October 13th, 1990, because it was no one, you know, versus number one versus no one. That game for me makes the Mount Rushmore of one of the greatest games for sure. All right, so Mount Rushmore number one out of the way. Let's get to our guests. Guest number one, I know pretty well. It's a family member. Haven't seen him in a while. Uh, we were excited to talk to him. I don't know if this is in the bio or not, but he actually talked to me yesterday from Germany of all places. So. That's how much this game means to him. Ryan's going to give you a little bio, and then we will play our interview with guest number one. Yeah, thanks. So just a heads up, um, I'm going to do a lot of the reading here because Andy did all the interviewing. Thanks for doing that. Um, sad I couldn't listen in on some of them, but um, listened to them uh, last night and really liked them. But our first guest, um, we're going to start with the first guest. This big offensive lineman is near and dear to us. Like you said, he's our cousin, uh, Dave Kerr. Uh, offensive lineman for the Spartans from 92 to 96, hails from Granville, Michigan, 
He played on two rivalry winning teams, 1993 and then in 1995, um, in his final year in East Lansing. Uh, Dave played for the late coach George Perlis and perhaps the greatest college coach of all time, Nick Saban. Uh, we caught up with him on a work trip in Germany, like he said, uh, to just see what this game means to him. So Dave, what made you decide ultimately back in 1992 go to Michigan State? For me, uh, it's, it's a little bit embarrassing to admit, but I really want to go to Notre Dame. So I was getting recruited by Notre Dame all along, and all of a sudden in my senior year, they, they stopped sending communications and things like that. That was well before email and, and, and that such social media was wasn't around. And we, we called down and said, hey, what's going on? And, and ultimately, they decided not to offer me a scholarship, even though they said they would. I had some other Big Ten offers, but I really did like Michigan State, so... Um, it's a bit embarrassing to say that probably they weren't my first choice, but it ended up being the right choice for me. Well, that's what it's all about, right? Is just is making the right choice because I've got similar story and that I shared earlier. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's how it goes. So, uh, you know, you'll say Notre Dame was kind of your favorite. Were you recu- recruited by Michigan at all? Yeah, you know, I was at the beginning. I went to their camp, uh, you know, and, and had a good time at their camp. I spoke to Mueller. They didn't recruit me a lot. I was recruited by Indiana. Uh, Purdue was was heavily recruiting me. Illinois, uh, Michigan to some degree. I never received an offer from Michigan, um, and I never. I don't remember having a lot of Michigan gear when I was growing up. I believe I was I was more of a state fan than a Michigan fan. So I always kind of leaned Michigan State. Um, when Lou Holtz was court, uh, was coaching Notre Dame and they're recruiting you, there's some mystique that probably drew me a bit to them. But ultimately, even though it really wasn't my decision, I'm glad it happened that way. I had friends that played at Notre Dame and. and they said football was great, but everything else, they, they come on and hung out uh, with us at MSU. Yeah, a lot, lot more fun. I can attest to that. We hung out a little bit back in our day. So what is your yep. best memory of this rivalry as a player? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you would have won. 1993 would have been your sophomore year. We got Michigan at home. Yep. And then 95, yep. which would have been your senior year, right? We got them Saban's first year. Yep. So you were 2-2 two and two against them. What's your favorite memory of yep. the rivalry? Two and two, I probably had two of them. One in the 93 game, I was young, so I was just a redshirt freshman, but it was uh, my second year there. I remember we won, and then uh, after the game, that was before they had lowered the field, so the fans were two feet off off the turf, and then everybody rushed the field, and it was just mayhem. I had never, I was actually a little bit nervous. People were jumping on you. We were pulling the Michigan players off the turf. People were trickling. It was just bedlam, and I just remember that being just such a chaotic but awesome scene, you know, after the game. You see all that stuff on TV where people rush the field. And uh, to be actually part of it was, was pretty sweet. And then the, the 95 game, too, was, was great. That, that last-minute touchdown, or I think we scored with about a minute 30 left. Um, and just being on the field after that touchdown was awesome. I played in special teams, so I went on the field after. Um, Nigeria Car- Carter scored that uh, touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Um, so that, that was probably the the most exciting memory I have of the rivalry. Well, and that was a game, if I'm not mistaken, I think Michigan was top five, maybe even number four, and and we were not expected to win. And that was, I, I came all the way back. I was living in the UP at the time, and I remember that. When I remember, <clears throat> I don't think I stomped on anybody, but I was definitely one of those field rushers back in, in 1993 as well. So, yeah, you can't quite do that anymore unless you want to break a leg. No, they make it difficult, but it was really, I, I was, it was, there was a crush, people were, grabbing on your helmets and people are just going crazy so 
it, it was something you see on TV, and, and until you're in it, and, and it's that chaotic and awesome and all these different things, it's, it was it was really quite stunning, but but awesome. I mean, I, we were dead tired by the time we got to the locker room. I felt like I had run 100 wind sprints <laughs> trying to make our way to the locker room. Right, just trying to get away from people. So, All right, so you have some great memories as a player. I presume that you keep up with the team. Um, what's your best yeah. memory of the rivalry since you were a player? Yeah, I'll have to say it's the, the, the 2015 game and trouble with the snap. So we actually had just moved over to Germany, and it was uh, quite late at night here, and we were watching it, uh, streaming it. And then I had a buddy over, a German buddy that uh, grew up in Indianapolis, um, and he likes football. It was hard to find around here that like, uh, especially college football, and he was over watching. And we're like, uh, this game's over. He got up to leave. He was putting his coat on by the front door. And for whatever reason, I, I just snuck back around. I'm like, I'm going to watch his punt make sure they get it off, and, and that happened, and, and I'm screaming, he comes running in the room asking what's going on, I think I woke my wife up, she was sleeping, uh, screaming, probably woke up some neighbors, but uh, I would say in the last years, that's that's probably my favorite memory. Yeah, it's it's definitely hard to top that one, that's like, uh, you know, the five lateral Cal Stanford game, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's something that would never, you couldn't replicate it if you tried a million times, I don't think. No, you see it on every every list they have of most memorable college football games. That's pretty much standard issue now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you had to pick one of your MSU teammates, aside from yourself, that you'd best say epitomize this rivalry, like the grit of the, the feeling that Michigan State has towards Michigan, who would that be and why? Yeah, I think it's going to be hard, and I don't want to do a disservice, and maybe this is a cop-out, but... I wouldn't choose anybody. I think anybody that straps on the green and white helmet and plays in that game, everybody has the same attitude. There's a there's quite a bit of disdain on both sides, and, and I don't know that there's one person that stands out. I, I can just tell you that week, everybody says to the media, it's just a game for the most part. Although Coach D ramped that up, uh, you know, some years ago, but really, um, you know, literally talking about that game all the time. In practice, um, it was just more intense. Uh, a little more chippy. Uh, fights broke out a lot more often that week. I remember uh, as a freshman, um, one of the GAs, I was on scout team, he's like, hey, after this play, uh, take a sh- cheap shot at somebody. And I said, what? He's like, take a cheap shot at somebody. So we did. It starts it all out brawl, you know, between offense and defense. And uh, then that intensity just ramps up from there. And we didn't do that for the Indiana game. Didn't do that for the Purdue game. But uh, it's just the, the whole week. And I think everybody has that mindset. Uh, no matter who you are. Right. That's an awesome story. I love that. Probably probably in a way to see, because it's a good coaching point, right, to, <coughs> excuse me, not have, you know, like a what not to do, right? Like when Michigan cheap shots you or vice versa, if, you know, from their perspective, don't react, right? Because it's the reactor that gets the penalty. So that's kind of that's kind of a fun yeah, thing. I would have never approach. thought about that. That was an approach, so I think he enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I was Nick never done that. So by last year, I played under Nick. Nick was much much more business, but even with him, the intensity ramped up. And you could just feel it's, it's, a, it's a different week. And, and uh, I didn't directly answer your question, but everybody got in that mood. Everybody got chippy. Everybody got antsy. It ramped up the intensity and focus. Guys watched film a lot more that week. You know, it's just a special week. Yeah, just matters more. Love it. So you, you've obviously been a part of one of these that I'm going to throw at you. These are the four that come to mind. I mean, obviously, there's you can always point to plays and – and things like that from games. But I, I think there's four years that really epitomize the crazy wins for Michigan State. And that would be 1990, you know, number one versus no one. I was at that game. I I had just been accepted to Michigan State 
was down in Ann Arbor with my dad watching that game. 1995, which of course you played in and talked about. 2001, where you know Ryan and I still love to listen to the Michigan radio call of how the game was stolen from them because of Spartan Bob. Um, <laughs> which, you know, we know that there was about 0.3 seconds left, so it was legit. And then 2015, which you already talked about. So it's they all have their own unique flair. But if you had to pick one of those, what's the craziest out of those four? I mean, i got to go with the 2015 game. Even though I played in the 95 game and that was fun, I mean, something just so miraculous and unexpected was, was to screw up that punt. And not only screwed up, but screwed up in a way that we run that back. And, and uh, uh, Jalen Watts Jackson, I believe it was, uh, and then he broke his hip, which isn't a great thing, but just the whole story, the whole thing uh, unfolding like that, just out of the blue, has to be my number one rivalry moment. Yeah, I got, I've got, I got, it's hard to disagree with that one, that's for sure. All right, here's a good one. <clears throat> Would you rather beat Michigan the next ten years in a row, or be guaranteed one CFP or college football playoff berth in the next five? That's easy. Beat Michigan ten years in a row. Uh, I love it. Uh, I'm I'm right there with you. And I'll ask you the last question: uh, Which player will have the biggest impact on this year's game, either side of the ball? Yeah, um, I believe that it'll be the defensive line for Michigan State. Um, Michigan's got a pretty good running game, and they got to shut that down and force Michigan to throw and see if that quarterback can actually sling it around. Um, our offense is pretty balanced, so I, I think we'll be okay. But I'm really curious to see uh, if we can shut down the run game if Michigan's able to pass. So I think it's the defensive line. Yeah, I really and like I that. Maybe you can say the front seven. Yeah, that rotation that. Yeah. As well. The rotation that Michigan State has in, on the D line alone, you know, and when you can throw a guy like Slade in there and Panashuk, who's leading in quarterback pressures, I think, still in the NCAA. Yeah. Um, and and those guys are rotating, you know, so they're keeping bodies fresh. I. I agree. I was having that conversation with somebody at work today. They said, what do you think is the difference? And I said, I think Michigan's front four, or Michigan State's front four can bottle up that run game and make McNamara, a.k.a. Jared Goff Jr., try to beat him through the air. And I don't I don't know that they can do it. <laughs> but Yeah, we'll see. I, I hope they can. I, I, I'm excited to see it. Um, and I'm just excited. I mean, Mel Tucker came in and, and was a bit of an unknown. And... Uh, I don't know if, uh, if you talked to NBA about this, but he's embraced the alumni uh, like no other coach. Coach D uh, embraced it much more than all the previous coaches, and, and Coach Tucker has taken it to the next level. So he's involved in the alumni now. He invited us over to his house. Uh, he told us uh, if uh, you know he wants us around the program, he said, call me three months in advance, tell me you want to go to practice, or call me five minutes before. He said, you're more than welcome. He's like, you want to blow the whistle at practice? You can blow my whistle. Love it. So I'm really Love excited it. about and the excitement that they have up there. You can just feel it. Those coaches have a lot of passion. They gave us presentations, and they were they didn't have to recruit us, but um, they were they had a passion, like they were trying to sell us, and it was just it's it's uh, catching. It's uh, it's something that if you're up there, you you'll be able to feel it. Love it. Can't wait to go to the game. I wish uh, wish you could sit and join it and, and listen to it from a football perspective in East Lansing, but I know you'll be watching in Germany, Dave. It was. Excellent to catch up with no, I'm you. Actually, I'm actually arranged my trip to fly back on Friday. Oh, perfect. Uh, with my wife, and then we're driving. We're driving straight to Lansing. Nice. We're well, spend the night and go to the game on Saturday, so I'm not going to miss this one. All right. Well, hopefully, we'll we'll have to try to find a way to run into you in the in the madness. I don't think it'll be diving onto the field that's ten ten feet below the the stands anymore. Mm-hmm. But we're a little old for that. But we'll we'll definitely look for you, Dave. Uh, great catching up with you. Or thanks for being on the podcast. And go green. Thanks for having me. Go away.
Our next guest is someone that is very, very special this rivalry, and single-handedly, um, by maybe some words that were said, um, helped flip the script in this rivalry. I bet you can guess who it is, but I won't say the name until the end of this bio. Michigan State defensive back coach from 1995 to 2000. Ohio State defensive coordinator from 2001 to 2003. Won a national championship with them. Cincinnati head coach from 2004 to 2006. And Michigan State's head man from 2007 to 2019. He's the winningest head football coach in the history of Spartan football. 114-57 overall. 8-5 record against Michigan overall. You guess it, folks. The guy we've been teasing all week. We've been talking about it. Mark D'Antonio. Former head coach of Michigan State. Uh, listen to this interview last night and it, I got emotional because this guy did a lot for Michigan State and brought me a lot of cool moments as a sports fan so without further ado Coach D. Yeah and before we get into Coach D I'm just gonna say a shout out to Coach D. You know I met Coach D back in 2014 shortly after we won the Rose Bowl in an airport in Kona, Hawaii of all places. I had a Rose Bowl shirt on was taking the red eye home from unveiling the Amway Coaches Poll and Coaches Trophy sponsorship. Mrs. D'Antonio saw my Rose Bowl shirt, pointed me out. He waved me over, graciously talked to me for quite a while, sent me an autographed picture for Ryan because he, he knew that he would you know be all into that. We stayed in contact, gave me his phone number. We had him to Amway to speak to our employees. Um, you know, it had been a few years since I talked to him, but. I texted him on a whim. Ryan said, hey, well, let's try to get Coach D. He got right back to me, which shocked and pleased us both uh, for lots of reasons. And when I talked to him yesterday, just so gracious with his time. And here's proof that when you do somebody a favor, because he thanked me for doing him a favor and what we did for that sponsorship for the AFCA <clears throat> and what we did with him having some appearances, you know, he returned the favor, which is just fantastic. But enough of me talking we're going to go to the guy, as Ryan said, that set this rivalry on its ear and got things going right. Coach, so appreciate you coming on today. You're undoubtedly a man a lot of Spartans want to talk to this week, so let's jump right in. Did you ever think that famous interview back in 2007 would still be the rallying cry for all Spartans everywhere 14 years later? No, not really. It just sort of happened as, as we went through the game. You know, we should have won the game and it would never happen, but uh, it's sort of what it is. But uh, it was just sort of something that came out of whatever. So do you think... You, they didn't have a plan for it. Right, right. Which, which I think is what makes it so great. And in some ways, I'm with you, right? I was at that game, Ryan was at that game, and we certainly wish we had won. But in some ways, you know, maybe it... Turned it's on it turned it it's on it on its ear not unlike really I go back to like 1969 and Bo's first year and Michigan State beat him and he's like whoa wait a minute and then that turned the rivalry for a couple you know a couple decades in their favor so um, we from Spartan to Spartan we certainly appreciate that and listen to that often so thank you for that whether it was from the from the heart off the cuff plan it was from the heart I would tell you that <laughs> love it so. love it all right so. You've been an assistant, obviously, at Michigan State, and then you were at Ohio State, won a national championship there. Of course, you're the winningest ever head coach at Michigan State. How is this rivalry different than you know between Michigan State and Michigan than than the Ohio State Michigan rivalry? Well, I think that uh, you know when you're in the state of Michigan, you know you're always competing against Michigan or Michigan State, whichever side you're on. You know, there's got so many families got mixed uh, 
you know, mixed emotions if within the family, you know, mixed, mixed allegiances, allegiances uh, and those type of things. So it, it sort of becomes a little bit more personal, I think, up here than probably down there. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a longstanding rivalry, certainly at Ohio State and Michigan, but uh, there's just so much crossover. And you're constantly dealing with each other, whether you see a license plate or, or whatever it is, you know. Um, there's always something you remind, to remind you that that game's right around the corner. Basketball, football, soccer, baseball, tennis, I don't care what it is, there's going to be some type of competition there. Right. We were watching, Ryan and I were watching uh, the, the special the other day, which you were on. You know, that talks about the rivalry, and that strikes me. Draymond Green said the same thing. He's like, I don't care if it's field hockey. I don't care if it's rowing. <laughs> Whatever. We want to beat Michigan. So so I can definitely sense that. Um, let's go to preparation. Is preparation for this particular game any different than every other game? And if so, how? Well, I think when you get in the week of the game, it's, it's not much different. Uh, there might be a tweak here or there that makes it special at the end of the week. But I think what you try and do is try and keep it you know, somewhat uh, normal throughout the week and, and allow yourself to prepare. I do think that in the off season, though, there's there's studies that go on. You know, there's you know we had a I think we had a five or ten year study on you know what Michigan did against us personally. You know, just looking at their game against us over the past X number of years relative to the coach that was in place at the time. Um, so. You're always competing against Michigan, whether it's for a recruit or whether it's for, for fans or, or whatever it is. You know, there's something about it every day that you're going you're gonna to deal with. So I do think that in the off season it's a little bit different from normal games. But during the week of the game, I think that uh, you try to keep it as normal as possible, possible and make it as business as you can. you got to execute on game day, and that's the bottom line. Right, and that's what, you know, I know Coach Tuck talked about yesterday in his press conference was the same thing. You know, it's about the players being focused and, and about execution. It really, really, truly does. As every game, it comes down to execution. So, yeah, what, execution is about the players on the field. What is it about this game that, from your opinion, makes it mean more to everyone? You talked about it a little bit, but I mean coaches, players, fans, alumni, Subway alumni. You know, every, it, it means more to everyone. What, what's, is there one little thing you could point to that you think makes it mean more? Well, it just gets personal. You know, it's just, uh, again, it's the, it's the guy across the street. It's the guy at the, the you know, the, the drinking fountain, or it's the guy that you bump, bump into. or So it's just, or it's the coach or you know, who you're coaching against. You know, everybody's got some type of competition they're dealing with in this football game or basketball game or whatever it is. There's always going to be that guy on the other side of the fence saying, you know, they're trying to beat you. So I think that it just becomes more personal with everybody. And once you've played in the game or coached in the game, it gets even more personal, you know. So, you know, there are different things that have happened over the course of the years, but I think all those things become you know, a little. You know, they're they're not as they're not as prominent maybe as some of the things that I just talked about. You know, the everyday thing for the everyday fan, or that type of thing. Right, if it gets in your blood. There's no question about that. Yeah, I mean, I think about Kirk Cousins. You know, who's who I've gotten to meet a few times, and personally, is still one of my favorites all time, just as a person. And talking about, I get to walk the streets because I'm for you know for my life four and zero against these guys, and I think he to me he epitomized how personal. It really was. Didn't get recruited by very many people. You guys took a chance. Obviously, you saw something brilliant in him. He's having a, a great year in Minnesota and a, and a great career so far. So, um, 
what role does bulletin board material truly play in this rivalry? Obviously, you know, we talked up top about, you know, what you said and how that fires us up. You know, it stemmed from what Mike Hart, Hart said. Is that just fodder, you know, to get the fans fired up? Or, or does it really, do you think, truly have an impact on things? I think once the game starts, it's all about the game. I think prior to the game, it might have somebody getting a little riled up, but I don't think it has anything to do with the game. At the end of it all, you've got to execute it, and you've got to be able to handle, handle adversity in the game, and there's an emotional aspect to every football game that occurs on game day on the field, and uh, and uh, I think that's what matters, how, you be, how you're able to handle that in the presence of the game. You know, the fan base, all that type of stuff is important on game day, but uh, it's how you play the game. I mean, it's, it, it comes right back to that. So you've got to be able to be focused, as Coach Tuck said, and uh, I've got my dogs milling around here. <laughs> you've got to be able to to, uh, to stay focused, and you've got to keep your composure because there's going to be ups, ups and downs. And as, as most people know, the plan won't survive contact, which means that whatever you're planning, something's going to go wrong. You better be able to handle adversity. You know, it was, you know, it was really interesting because my, my cousin Dave told me a story that I hadn't heard before, um, and then we'll let you go, but he – he talked about how when I think if he was maybe a true freshman, he was on scout team and one of the grad assistants came up to him and said, all right, after this play, I want you to cheap shot the guy across from me. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? The guy's going to kick my butt. And he's like, no, just do it. And and the whole purpose was, that was under you know, Coach Perlis, the whole purpose was to kind of get the attention that, hey, you can't react, right? Because there is there is emotion and things are going to go off track and go off plan and you got to kind of stay that course and, and focus on the execution at hand. Well, you got to keep your emotions in check and keep your composure, but at the same time, you've got, you know, it's a game of toughness. There's mm-hmm. no question. Right, right. And uh, so you've got to keep that aspect going as well. And uh, it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be, be a fun game to be involved in and watch. And, uh, you know, be one that I'm sure our players will, will always remember and our coaches as well. So excited about the opportunity to watch. Yeah, and I know, and I, and I can speak for all Spartan fans everywhere and how much we appreciate what you did, how you turned this rivalry around, whether it was with those words or it was just, you know, really it was more about your coaching and, and the player development. But, you know, we all kind of go back to that. I, you know, we watch it year over year before this game. I know how much this game meant before, how much more it has meant since you were on. It's been such an honor to have you on the podcast, Coach, um, ahead of this epic game. First time since 1964, both teams are in the – in the top 10, they're both 7-0. and It's it's crazy. It's going to be fun in East Lansing. We're looking forward to it. Thank you so much, and go green. Yep, thanks. Thanks for having me on. When I look at that video, I, I see a lot younger Coach D'Antonio. So, <laughs> I see a lot younger Coach by, Izzo often, too. And it all started <laughs> back there in 2007. So, happy. We appreciate it, Coach, and uh, have a great weekend, and go green. Yep, thanks. Bye-bye. Our third and final guest hails from Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's a Four Sills Northern grad, former MSU tight end from 1988 to 1992, a sixth-round draft pick by the Atlanta Falcons in the 93 draft where he played for four seasons, then finished his career up for the last three years with the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, also a former member of the MSU Board of Trustees. He's now a very successful wealth advisor in West Michigan, uh, and even has a book, Retirement of Steel. He is Mitch Lyons. Mitch, thanks for joining us to talk about maybe the biggest game in this rivalry's history. I'm curious, what made you, back in late 80s, decide to go to Michigan State? 
you know, I kind of always grown up a Michigan State fan, and honestly, I, I don't uh, know exactly why, uh, other than, uh, you know, from a football standpoint, they, I guess I do remember the 79 season, and obviously that was pretty uh, special for basketball, so I guess I, I think I can thank Magic for that, but, hmm. um, you know, even uh, from, from pretty much from that point on, I, I tended to go green. Uh, my mom and my brother kind of went maize and blue, and my dad and I were green and white, and uh, that, uh kind of continued on and but but frankly i you know i grew up going to more michigan games uh, football games because uh, my best friend in high school always had an extra ticket so i ride shotgun along with he and his family his family and uh so like jim harbaugh senior year i think i made about five five home games that year so <laughs> i uh i actually watched a lot more michigan games and my first one i ever went to was probably my junior high school and then obviously when i was getting recruited i went to quite a few of my, my senior year but yeah, I just, uh, you know, kind of jump, I guess, kind of going opposite of my mom and brother more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit of a family spite thing, which I yeah. think Coach D kind of talked about that a little bit, about how that's, that's uh, you know, a big part of the rivalry is that house divided type of thing. So, um, obviously, you went to Michigan State. Were you recruited by Michigan? I was, yeah. Actually, funny story. Uh, so, I, so, I, you know, went down uh, after a Friday night basketball game, I went down and took my official visit to, to Michigan and, and hung out with guys and saw the campus having a Saturday and then Sunday morning they called me down to, to chat one-on-one with, with Bo Schembechler and uh, pulls me in his office and he says, uh, sits down on the couch next to me and puts his arm, or, or he sat down next to me first and then he said, uh, son, what'd you get on the ACT? And I said, I, I got a 27 coach and he looks at me, he puts his arm around me, he says, son, you owe it to yourself to be a Michigan man. <laughs> so I walked out of Bo's office with my chest out thinking I was probably going to be a Michigan man. And then my dad took me to Metro Airport to fly out to Colorado on my first flight of my life to go visit the University of Colorado. And I came away from there thinking I was going to be a Buffalo. <laughs> so I get off the plane Tuesday coming back uh, coming back to get to my high school game on time. And uh, Steve Beckholt, my recruiter from Michigan State, just happened to be sitting at the gate, not surprisingly enough asked me how my two visits went. So at that point I said, you know, maybe I should spend some more time thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they showed you. So, you know, Michigan State, obviously, they they showed that they wanted you. But, I, I mean, I can imagine going through. I was not lucky enough to be that kind of an athlete to get recruited. You know, Ryan, you know, was even at a smaller level. But it's kind of nice to, to be loved, especially when you're 17, 18 years old and by guys like, you know, Bo and, and it was probably – McCartney was at yep. probably yeah, Colorado at the time. Yep. All right. So yeah, it was cool, and uh, it's uh, certainly impacts you when you're an impressionable young kid. And I think a lot of it uh, probably helped that Michigan State was you know, making the Rose Bowl run that year. I was getting recruited my senior year, and uh, here I thought I was going to jump on the coattails of uh, you know 17 out of 22 starters coming back. Thinking I'm going to go to a, go to another Rose Bowl, and then we started off 0 four and one. So. <laughs> That's yeah, that, that's right. 88 was a tough start. I remember that. And then, yeah. and then, uh, you know, getting, we'll get into your next moment, which is, and I know 89 was, a, I think, 10 7 in that, in the rivalry yeah. game, right? And then you, obviously right. there was 1990. But what is, I'm going to assume it was from 1990, but what is your best memory of the rivalry as a player? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, 90 was pretty special. You know, not, not too many people were giving us a chance. Big underdogs, and they're ranked number one. And, uh, to go down there and uh, and beat them the way we did, and, and uh, you know when I say beat them the way we did, I wasn't the you know controversial two point conversion. It just you know we we ground the ball against them, mm-hmm. you know Highland, and uh, obviously had a big day, and then Tico Duckett. I mean we just our line pounded them that day, and uh, you know that was a great a great victory. 
Um, you know, personally, my uh, I wasn't playing as much then. So my my junior year, I, I was starting, and uh, the following year, and I think I had five catches that game. And the, but my senior actually uh, set my personal record at the time was a was the Michigan State record of twelve catches, uh, albeit in a loss. So it never means as much then. But uh, catching twelve in the, in the big house is pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And I remember that ninety game. Uh, I had actually been accepted to Michigan State the day before. I'm just a smidge younger than you, not much, but um, and sat there in the south end zone, crammed into those seats. I call it a one cheek stadium. You know, you can get one cheek on those seats. Uh, me and my dad watching. You know, I remember. I think the last touchdown we scored that game was Hickson coming right at us. Either he or Duckett, but yeah, I mean, I remember that specifically how we really, really owned the line of scrimmage in that game, which was which was fun to watch. And as you know, as you as you know, as a player, and just know from the series that's often what decides it for them too so all right so that's your best memory as a player and and this may be an easy question I know it was for for Dave uh, I did not ask this to coach D um, but I can imagine what his answer would be best memory of the rivalry since so after you were a player yeah you know that's you you think it'd be obvious uh, you know because 2015 mm-hmm. and, and it is I mean I, I mean that's that was unbelievable I was at the game and you know frankly probably one of the 10 percent of state fans still around at that point <laughs> right most people had headed for the exits and my daughter and uh, I hung around and had one daughter up going to the bathroom she had a headache and she missed the play <laughs> going to the bathroom uh, but my youngest daughter and I were there and uh, that that will forever be engraved in my mind but you know you know uh, the 2001 game was un- unbelievable too I was at that one and the, the smoker to duck it one I mean I everybody just sat and that's or stood in that stage screaming for about 20 minutes after the game and I couldn't I couldn't even talk after that game oh I remember uh, that one was crazy too and I mean you know in its own way crazy just as crazy as 2015 maybe 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 not quite as improbable as 2015 but but still kind of it was a fantastic just the way the last drive went down on that OM game I think there was three penalties that Mm -hmm. uh, kept the drive alive Mm -hmm. and and all of them were just kind of boneheaded plays on Michigan's part (laughs) uh you know hands of the face for a quarterback on a receiver and Charles Rogers yeah the line of scrimmage gave us a, a first down and a, and a number of cra- kind of crazy things that, you know, I'm sure Michigan fans would, would say that we somehow cheated, but the reality was they were penalties and, and they kept the drives alive, so we kind of shot themselves in the foot. That's right. That's that's on them, right? And actually, you wouldn't necessarily remember this, but I was at the time writing for a site called BitterRivals.com, and I actually, in the alumni tent, interviewed you and Tico and talked to you about the 90 game that day beforehand, so I kind of have that... <laughs> That Mitch memory, even from ninety to two thousand one, so we, we share some of those things in common. All right, so this is a uh, not an easy one, and, and there's not a cop out answer here. So if you don't have one person, that's totally fine. But <clears throat> aside from yourself, if you had to pick one of your MSU teammates that you just say had the toughness, the grit, whatever, and best epitomized what this rivalry is for Michigan State, who would it be and why? You know, I mean, just pure tough tough guys i mean i always say there was nobody tougher pound for pound than blake Ezor. Uh, you know little undersized running back that just was a battering ram and just was a tough kid you know and uh but uh you know in terms of rivalry i mean it's hard to it's hard to say that because for any kid that grew up in michigan obviously there's just that natural you fell on one side of the line one way or the other right so for any in-state kid i mean you came into the 
came into college with that. Uh, for either side, you, you kind of can't. Well, not as much for Michigan because they claim we're really not their rivals. So, but for right Michigan there. State, uh, you definitely have that chip on your shoulder. And out of state guys coming, a Blake came from Las Vegas, so he probably had no clue what it was all about coming in, but he, he certainly figured it out. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think really any any in-state kid knew what it was all about, and, you know, you left it all on the line. And, you know, you, you, you did. You know, I, I think you do every game, but especially for that one. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you didn't want to go the next 365 with a, with a loss. So Right, exactly. Uh, I, exactly. It's just a big game for everybody. So we've talked about a few of these already, and, and I'll constitute what, in a second, what maybe makes one of them crazy <coughs> in my mind, but... So four stick out to me for better crazy win in the rivalry, potentially. So 1990, you had all your reasons, and you talked about that was just good football by Michigan State, too. But still some crazy stuff happened at the end. 1995, you had, you know, Michigan fans would complain that Scott Green was short on fourth down. You had the the throw that went through Charles Woodson's hands into, um, you know, Derek Mason's hands. And then, you know, Tony to Nigeria to seal that game in 95. 2001, we talked about Smoker to Duckett and that crazy ending. 2015, arguably, minus maybe the five-lateral Cal-Stanford game, the craziest ending. And I suppose you throw kick six up there, the craziest ending right. in college football. What, which one do you think stands out to you as the craziest of those four? You know, unfortunately, I don't remember the 95 game because I was in the NFL and I, I must have been traveling or something and didn't have it on TV and I wasn't the days of Twitter and uh, internet. Mm-hmm. So right, right. I could uh, check in on that one as much. I uh, always uh, was aware, of, you know, obviously if we won or lost. But, uh, I mean, just pure crazy. I mean, you can't beat, you know, you can't beat the 2015. I mean, that was just insane. That we, You know, everybody laughed when we got stopped on fourth down and, and I said to my daughter, I said, was going up to the use the restroom. I, I said, we're, we're going to hang. There's going to be some time left. You know, crazier things have happened. I literally said it to the Michigan fan behind me. I said, crazier things have happened. Huh? He said, yeah, you know, the Cordell play here. There's been kind of oh, crazy yeah. finishes. Yeah. And lo and behold, that thing plays out. I mean, just uh, that was the, I mean, <laughs> I would say short of my marriage and short of the birth of my children <laughs> with a wink, that was the best day of my life, right? Uh, yeah. Because that, that was unbelievable. And, so and, it's, it's really tough to top that one. And I think the thing with that one, too, that makes it stand out even more is, could you even come close to replicating that a million times if you I tried mean, it a million catch, more times? I mean, catch the ball and kick it. Catch right? the ball and kick it. I mean, or fall on it or something, it right? It doesn't you know? happen. Yeah, you yeah, know, crazy. Just, uh, yeah. It, it, it was uh, quite quite a memory, and uh, well, certainly, I told my daughter that day. I said, "You will never top. I don't care how many games you come to. <laughs> you will never top this finish." <laughs> yeah, you're you're you are right, and I'm glad we were on the good good side of it because we've we've all oh. felt and seen enough of the of the other side of it as well for well, sure. Well, hey, uh, I was there uh, for the first Big Ten title game, and that loss against Wisconsin gutted my family like nobody's oh, business. Yeah. I mean, that was a uh, I saw the the roughing the punter call while the whole crowd was going crazy for a key, Keyshawn Martin's uh, punt return down to the one, and I knew it wasn't going to count, and it was the most disheartening feeling I've oh. ever felt in my life. Just crushed for those kids and uh, and, and myself. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, oh, so close. And and it's funny, almost in a way that those moments kind of almost stick with you, and you remember them even more vividly than the other ones for some reason. Well, you do, you do, and uh, you know, fast forward. Uh, you know, three or two years later, uh, you know, when we make it, we beat Ohio State, and uh, I mean, that just made it all the more special because you know how tough it is to do, and you, and you had that feeling uh, from two years prior. So, <laughs> right, for uh, sure. So the, here's this one. I, I'm going to guess that I think I know what your answer is, but it'll be interesting to know anyway. So 
Would you rather beat Michigan the next 10 times that we play them or be guaranteed one college football playoff berth in the next five years? Well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take beating Michigan 10 years in a row uh, because, number one, we've been to the college football playoffs. And I I think if we're uh, beating Michigan 10 years in a row, we're probably sneaking one in there somewhere in in that decade. So, um, you know, it's it's, – he just if you could just wrap that up for 10 years i'd go ahead and take that and take my chances on, yeah. uh, on the college football playoffs yeah i'm with you I, I think you're right i think if you're winning with that kind of consistency over a program like uh our our friends down the street um yeah i would agree with you you're probably going to slide no, no, into one of those no. anyway. conversely if i'm a michigan fan i'm doing whatever i can to even get to a big time title game <laughs> the college football playoffs. exactly <laughs> exactly exactly that, who knows if that'll ever happen i don't know i don't think it's going to happen for him this year all right, um, last one for you. Which player, or you could say position group, will have the biggest impact on this year's game, do you think? Well, if it's going to go the way I want it to go, you know, the easy answer is uh, you know Kenneth Walker. But mm-hmm. that's not happening unless the, the Hogs up front uh, perform better. And that's my biggest concern coming into the game is, uh, you know, when we've played a, a tough uh, front, uh, we haven't had as much success, obviously, with uh, – uh, you know, Indiana and, and Nebraska, uh, you know, they, we haven't been overwhelming with the run game. Mm-hmm. Uh, or did I, uh, was it India? Yeah. India. Yeah. India. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that concerns me. Um, you know, we've got to win that battle up front or, you know, uh, if you can't keep your quarterback off his back and keep him clean and uh, you can't open holes as good as he is, uh, you know, he's got to have some some daylight to run through to get going. So, yeah. um, I would say if our offensive line plays, uh, you know, better than they have against tougher fronts so far, I think we've we've got a chance. If they don't, I think it's going to be a struggle. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair analysis too, because I, you know, Walker as great as he is and as great as he is after contact, any running back needs a hole, right? You you just have yeah. you give him some daylight. He doesn't even need a ton. It's a lot easier to have yards after contact if you have some momentum going first. <laughs> exactly, when you're not in the back of one of your players' backs, yeah. for sure. Right. All right, well, Mitch, thanks so much for your time. Um, super appreciated your insights, and it's always fun to talk to a, a fellow Spartan and a, a Spartan great. Had a nice NFL okay. career as well. Um, enjoy the rest of this epic rivalry week, and go green. I go white, and uh, thanks for having me, Andy, and uh, appreciate appreciate that. And uh, I'm looking forward to Saturday. It's going to be an exciting game, and, and go, uh, go Spartans everywhere. That's right. Let's go. Special thanks to Dave, Coach D, Mitch. Really appreciate that they gave us uh, time to be on this podcast. You can tell listening to each one of them how passionate they are about the rivalry. You know, it's, it spans a, a great era of, of coaches that they played for. Um, you know, Mitch played for Perlis. Dave played for Perlis and Saban. Coach D was there Dave's last year. They speak really well of Tucker. I mean, you can just see the family that this program is. And it got me super fired up yesterday, talking to each of them individually, getting ready for this podcast, but more importantly for Saturday. So before we get into what probably everybody even wants to know even more, which is our kind of little bit of game analysis and breakdown, I've got one more Mount Rushmore to throw at you. This one is going to be the Mount Rushmore of rivalry plays. I mean, there's obviously tons of them. I mean, I can just sit here and 15 or 20 come immediately to mind, and it's really hard to pick just four. But Ryan's going to start us out there. We're going to give you our four. We each pick two again. 
and then we're going to get into our predictions and our analysis. Yeah, again, doing this off my lifetime. Um, I don't remember it well. I, remember, I know I was coming back from the game with my mother um, and probably my aunts. 2001, Smoker Duckett. Um, Spartan Bob, uh, who's that? Uh, Michigan State wins 26-24. We were robbed. Over, over top 10 this Michigan. This game was stolen. This game was stolen from the Michigan Wolverines. <clears throat> Shut up, Jim. Shut no, up, Frank. No, it wasn't. Uh, Michigan State won that game. Um, just incredible. I love watching that video and the, just the pandemonium afterward. Um, then the second play I have, I mean, you, you can guess what it is. I mean, it's probably one of the greatest plays in college football history. Um, trouble with the snap. Um I still am speechless about it. Every time I see it, hear it, it gives me chills, brings me back um, to watching that play. I, me, um, my good friends, Nick Isley, Jesse Van Fleet, Max Kirsten, they're all singing in front of the TV. It happens. We're all like, what? What happens? I think that we were in the basement and my dad was upstairs and we, I think you jumped from the top onto our landing. I think we had like a, yeah. we had a dog pile. In Couldn't the breathe for like four like, minutes after that. Pandem- I, I, that was a blur. I wish I could relive that again. That was like one of the craziest things I've ever seen. But I mean, so many honorable mentions. I mean, I'll just throw in there. Isaiah Lewis pick six against Michigan in 2011. Caper in 09. Uh, Javon Ringer in 2008 beating the... Brandon Graham, who guaranteed victory over Michigan, over Michigan State, um, beating him in a foot race. I mean, the list goes on and on, but those are my two. You can do your two. Yeah, so many epic plays, and what Ryan and I did here was kind of like a lifetime. So, obviously, I've got 48 years. i got 26 more years on him and <clears throat> a little bit more experience in the rivalry. My first one is actually not one play, but seven plays. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. 1987. Thank you, Demetrius Brown, who was clearly colorblind and threw not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven INTs. Seven. Now, somehow Michigan State still only won 17 to 11. That's because all they ever did was run Lorenzo White left, Lorenzo White right, Lorenzo White up the middle, and occasional maybe like eight passes a game. Doesn't matter. Seven interceptions. That is a vintage Mount Rushmore moment in this rivalry in terms of plays. And the other one that's pre Ryan that really stands out for me, and I could have gone, you know, uh, kind of like 1999 game, some of the plays that Plaxico made. 1995, Derek Mason, the final drive. There were three huge plays on that drive, by the way. Three. And so one was the first one kept the drive alive. Somehow Mason tiptoes to the first down marker. Michigan fans would say he didn't make the first down. Clearly he did. But the play that I'm talking about was that same year, a little bit further down the road, four plays later, Tony Banks to Mason in hold your breath fashion. It was a 22-yard pass zip towards our end of the field, which is Michigan State's end, the left side, um, if you're going from south to north. It was tipped and nearly intercepted by freshman defensive back and future Heisman Trophy winner Charles Woodson. Mason somehow kept his eye on the ball through the tip. It's snowy, it's cold, it's blustery, it's he catches it a few plays later. We know Banks to Nigeria. That play right there seems little maybe in the scheme of smokers or ducket or you know trouble with a snap and things like that. But mark my words, that play saved that game where Michigan State again was a pretty you know an okay team in Saban's first year. You know maybe around 500 at that time. Michigan came in, I believe. I I think they were number seven. I I might have said um, when I was talking to Mitch and Dave that they were 
number four. But regardless, Michigan often would be in the top 10 against us, and we were unranked, and, and that was a huge epic moment in that game. All right, that Mount Rushmore out of the way. Let's get into this year's game. Lots of great history, obviously, in this rivalry. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on about history. I mean, that's that's one of the great, great things about this rivalry is really no matter what side you on, you're on, whether you want to be Michigan and look at the 71 wins, whether you want to be Michigan State and say let's have a level playing field, you know, we have plays. They've got the Charles Rout, you know, Woodson pick. We all, we all have plays. But what it comes down to is – this all talk, right, until Saturday. Saturday at noon, which will be probably more about 12.07 or 12.08 before they kick off. Spartan Stadium, 55 degrees, mostly cloudy forecast, a little bit of wind, sweatshirt and jeans weather, 7-0 versus 7-0, strength versus strength in a lot of ways. Somehow, you, Ryan and I always joke Vegas knows, Michigan is up to a four-and-a-half point favorite which if you throw in the kind of the standard home three, it's like seven and a half. No way. No way. Who who has Michigan beaten that's better than who's Michigan State has beaten? Wisconsin-ish? Maybe? Not really? I mean, Northern Illinois? Western? Okay, Western's pretty good. They beat Pitt, but still. You know, Mac school, first game. Michigan State went on the road, beat Miami when they were healthy, when they had all their players. You know, albeit they're still only three and four. Still, I'd put that win against Wisconsin. Michigan State went on the road and beat Indiana. Went on the road and beat Rutgers. You know, didn't struggle with Rutgers like Michigan struggled with Rutgers. Did struggle with Indiana for sure the last game out. Um, you know, Michigan struggled for a half against Northwestern. This is going to be the game of all games. I mean, it, now you say that. And media says that and fans say that and then something happens. But here's the thing is in this rivalry, and I'm going to pull up some stats just to kind of level set us in terms of how close really the games are. So we're, we're just going to go back to, to well, let's just say the 2005. Okay, that's roughly around the last time Michigan might have even won a Big Ten. So... 2005, um, Ryan talked about Michigan beat Michigan State. Michigan State was a higher-ranked team um, by three in overtime. The next year, Michigan won by 18. The next year, Michigan came back, won by four. We know that game. That's the game of the little brother comment. Set things off. Then Michigan State by 14. Michigan State by six. Michigan State by 17. Michigan State by 14. Michigan by two. Michigan State by 23, Michigan State by 24, Michigan State by 4, Michigan by 9 against a very bad Michigan State team with a Lewerke who broke his leg in that game. One of the very few times Ryan and I have actually left the game early. Michigan State by 4, Michigan by 14, Michigan smoked Michigan State in 2019, and then last year, 24.5 point dog, Michigan State won. So the moral of the story there by 3. The moral of the story there is, these are close games. Very rarely do you have it be where two good teams come in and one blows the other out. In fact, I had it somewhere in my notes, and maybe I can find it while Ryan's talking, but Michigan State, when they're good, is really good against Michigan. Like, they don't lose very often when they're good. 
as in you know well above 500 like they are now. Now Michigan's really good this year too. Um, clearly, it's going to be a great game. Um, I, I I just I can't wait, Ryan. I want to get you kind of your overview thoughts and then let's kind of break it down a little bit and then we'll get in our predictions. Yeah, you know I I think <laughs> that this game. I, I, on paper, I think it's very evenly matched. I mean, you look at it, Michigan's a strong rushing team. Michigan State has two um, good defenses against the run, against the pass, so-so. Um, pretty decent special teams. But I, I don't know. I mean, looking at this game, I think it's one of the trenches. I mean, Michigan State's offensive line, it's a, it's going to be a chore. There's no doubt about that. Michigan's got a strong front seven. I, they're back four. Um, that's where I think Michigan State takes advantage. I think they can put a lot of stress on a average at best Michigan secondary like they did last year with the vertical passing attack um, and a good thing is that Peyton Thorne throws a very accurate deep ball um, I think that it's going to be an interesting game I don't know if Kenneth Walker's going to have 200 yards I think that he's going to be bottled up for the most part and then he's going to rip one loose that's going to be a game clinching or game some game changing play um, but I think for Michigan State's defense it's simple it's stop the run and force Michigan to win through the air, I don't. I don't know if they can do it. They haven't had to do it yet this year. Um, maybe a little bit against Nebraska, but Nebraska's secondary is average at best. Um, and Michigan, Michigan's prone to the big play. Not not just through the through the air on defense, but as good as their defense is, they're prone to the big play on the ground too. So, you know, while they're, in, I mean, Michigan State gives up passing yards and droves, but doesn't give up much in the red zone in terms of touchdowns. Yeah, I, Mich- I mean, Haskins and Corum are nice backs. I think Haskins, honestly, is better than Corum. I, I just, they haven't seen a front seven like this. I mean, even front four. I mean, Michigan State's defensive line gets pressure almost every time on their own without a blitz. Um, and they're doing it with two guys that are young, that are not seniors, um, which is pretty crazy. But I think Michigan State, it's going to be a chore um, no matter what. I think that McNamara is going to start this game, but I don't know if he's going to finish it. I've heard rumblings that McCarthy, uh, the true freshman from Michigan, top 10 recruit, they want him to get more snaps. They like him because he can run a little bit more, um, probably a better arm, probably more adverse to risk taking. Uh, McNamara is more of a game manager, don't know if they want to, test that with a freshman I I wouldn't want to test that with a freshman having him play a lot of downs against Michigan State when he doesn't have much experience especially against a good opponent like Michigan State I mean he's played a little bit against Northwestern a snap here or there against Nebraska and then against Western and Northern Illinois kind of reminds me of 99 when it was Henson and Brady you know you might recognize one of those names especially against Michigan State Michigan State jumped them and then held on Michigan State was up 17 in that game and won by three um, you know, with the two quarterbacks, hence, um, <clears throat> Drew Henson was, you know, obviously went on to play baseball. He was kind of the stud young guy. Brady was a little bit established at that point in time. You know, they went back and forth. That's kind of what it sounds like might happen here. Um, you know, Mitch talked a little bit about it. You, you know, the, I would say the one fear that I have from Michigan state is that the offensive line has not looked that great against better defensive fronts. And that would be Nebraska and Indiana. Now, I will also say Michigan State's had a week to rest up, a week to scheme a little bit differently. You know, I think if they if they can hold their own, if they can be average, meaning protect, you know, only give up a couple of sacks, um, if they can open up some daylight for Walker and he can get to the second level, I think he's going to bust off a big one. Um, but this game, traditionally, historically, and, and 
Fox or, or, you know, back when it's on ABC or whatever channel you want, always shows the stat about how many winners in the last, now it's up to 50 years, wins the rushing game. And I think that's really going to be big here. I mean, Michigan State's, I believe, way more balanced than Michigan. Um, But both have outstanding running games. Michigan's got a one-two punch. And obviously, Michigan State's got Walker and then, you know, some some decent guys to spell them here and there. But it's not a a one-two punch. Um, So in that case, it's strength on strength on strength. But can Michigan's O-line have its way on the interior with yep. guys like Slade and Michigan's D line, which by the Michigan State's D line, which by the way rotates six guys at D tackle and six seven guys at D end, so they're always fresh. Guys have been gap sound <clears throat> to borrow from Nick Baumgartner from the Athletic. Guys have you know stayed with their assignments. The ends are Ryan and I have noticed several times on Michigan State's ends this year aren't getting sucked in as much. They're not getting caught chasing plays on the backside. Sometimes they're giving up pursuit because they know that they need to. To fall back and, and protect until the reinforcements come, um, you know I think Michigan State's secondary has gotten better and better. You know n- nobody anymore sends out any injury reports, so we have <coughs> no idea. You know unhealthy guys if they're going to play or whatever. But um, I do think Peyton Thorne's going to hit Michigan deep at least once in this game. I mean Rocky had his way with it last year, and that's in fact all he could do. I think that's going to happen a little bit. I think Kenneth Walker's going to, you know, hover right around that low 100s mark. I think it's going to be just an epic game. Um, my my hope is that it does not come down to a kick because we've seen kicks spoil games for both of these teams. Trouble with the snap or Goss, I think it was back in 2005, you know, mm-hmm. blowing the the kick in overtime when Michigan State lost in that game um, to Michigan after a good comeback in that game. Um, I think. You know, but special teams is a factor. You know, I think Michigan State's receivers between Naylor and Reed are really head and shoulders better than what Michigan's got. Um, I think they've got more game breakers. I think you got the home crowd. You know, there'll be some Michigan fans in there for sure. Uh, um, I, I mean, I'm counting on a, a a nail biter. I'm already down to the cuticles on all my fingers just thinking about this game. Um, before we get into prediction, <laughs> I'll tell you where mine even came from. Um, when we get to that point, but any other thoughts on, on this game? Ryan? No, I, I think this, my keys to this for Michigan State, they got to limit turnovers, uh, got to win that battle, win in the trenches, limit big plays. They got to tackle at the line of scrimmage or hit, get that initial tackle because that's been an issue um, for Michigan State in the last few years, missing the big tackle, the first tackle, then allowing extra yards. I think that's going to be really important. And then, I, finishing drives, you have to score touchdowns in this game. I don't think field goals are going to win this game for Michigan State. They have to finish drives. It's got to be one to two field goals. If it's more than that, there's no chance, I don't think, for Michigan State. But those are my keys for this game. I think a lot of people would second that. Uh, but you want me to do prediction? Or yeah, go with your prediction. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a hard-fought game. Like you said, I think it's going to come down to the end. going to be close. I think it's going to be 24-23 Michigan State. Um, Michigan is going to have them pinned deep. Um, Michigan State's going to hit a couple pass plays to get to about the 30, their own 30. And then Walker, who's been bottled up all day, he's going to rip one, like a 60-plus yard touchdown to seal the deal, go up 31-23, and Michigan State's defense is going to hold on. Michigan State retains Paul Bunyan. Love it. I'm going to throw a couple other little factoids at you. Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh is 3-3 three and three against Michigan State with his wins coming against a very bad Three and nine. He's never lost Michigan State team in 2016. Though, is... Yeah, true. Beat us in 2018 and 2019 with seven and five squads. Um, 
Uh, we talked about how you know Michigan leads the all-time series, what it is since Michigan State joined the Big Ten. Michigan State is nine and four in this rivalry since two thousand eight, and make it ten and four. I had this dream, this vision the other night. Book it. This is how it's going to go. Late in the game, Michigan State, Michigan is driving. They're on the two yard line. They are up twenty to seventeen. They're looking to punch it in, score the ceiling touchdown, steal Paul drive a stake in the field, rub their asses on the ass, whatever they want to do, whatever classless thing Michigan wants to do to celebrate this win, to show us that, oh, but Ohio State means more. BS. They give it to Quorum. He tries to bust it to the outside. This is all in a dream. This is a vision. It's going to come true. This happens. Stripped by Cal Halliday as he turns the corner. Looks like it's the last guy that Michigan State could have to kind of make the play. Stripped. Number nine, Ronald Williams scoops it. Accompanied by, help me out, Ryan, number 12. Kimbrough. Kimbrough. 98-yard scoop and score with a minute to go. Michigan State goes up 24-20 to and just bottles them up on the final drive just like they did to Iowa in the 2015 Big Ten Championship game. Michigan State 24, Michigan 20, Bear Stop frickin' picking Michigan State to, to not be able to cover the spread or to lose or to say that they're overhyped or overrated. You can kiss my ass. All the Walmart Wolverines can kiss my ass. Book it. Michigan State wins this game. I love it. All right. <clears throat> because we always like to end with a sprint, I came up with a couple questions, some that we asked our guests or whatever, and one of these is not for me. It's, it's, it's more for Ryan, and I think I know what his answer is going to be. But sprint. Ryan, would you rather beat Michigan the next 10 years in a row or be guaranteed one CFP berth in the next five? Beat Michigan. Which player will have the biggest impact on this year's game? I'm going to go with Cal Halliday, uh, Michigan State's star redshirt freshman linebacker. Which player, former player, best epitomizes this rivalry? you got to go with Kirk Cousins. I mean... It, what he did, he he went 4-0 against Michigan. Um, yeah, it's got to be Kirk. Who do you hate more, the University of Michigan or Calvin University? I think it might be a tie. I I don't know. I mean, that's that's a tough question. I'll, I'll say both. I, I can't I can't answer that. Fair, fair, fair. I, I would agree with you on that one. Um, I would rather beat Michigan the next 10 years in a row because I'm much like our guest Mitch. I think if that happens, that means we're on a roll and we're probably getting into CFP in there one of those times anyway. So give me 10 straight, starting with October 30th. Which player will have the biggest impact on this year's game? I think it's going to be Jacob Slade. I think he's going to just wreak havoc on you know whatever run game Michigan tries to get going. I think he's going to force Michigan to pass. I don't think that they're going to be able to pass. I think they're going to force he's going to force Michigan into some turnovers. Which player best epitomizes this rivalry? I mean, you can't argue with Kirk Cousins. I would say the Duckett brothers. I mean, they both played in Epic Games 1990-2001, um, you know, 11 years apart, but obviously made memorable plays in those games. Um, I mean, so many guys that have just been epic in this rivalry. Um, I think if I had to pick one, though, I'd have to agree with Ryan. Kirk Cousins, 4-0, <clears throat> you know, minus his redshirt season, 4-0 against Michigan in his career. He can walk the streets with his head high forever. Hate more Michigan or Calvin Well, I didn't go to Hope. Um, but I picked that up by having to, you know, help foot the bill for hope. 
watching Ryan play basketball against Calvin, but you got to go Michigan. I mean, there's nobody else that you can hate more than Michigan. All right, Ryan, close us up. Yeah, um, just a reminder, um, share this with your friends. Uh, we're going to put up with this on my Instagram, um, Twitter, we'll have it on there, um, Spotify, all that good stuff. But, yeah, just, just another shout-out uh, to Team Andrews Realty um, for their support and for being our presenting sponsor. Visit their website, teamandrews.com, for more. Um, they're the best in the area. I have nothing but good things to say on We thank them so much. We thank you for listening. This game's going to be great. And I get to do the close today. I don't usually get to do it. I'm so pumped up for this weekend. Can't come soon enough. Ready for the tailgate, ready for the game, the pageantry, all that good stuff. Um, well, yeah, we, we appreciate you guys listening. In the meantime, a wise man that was on our podcast a little earlier, if you, if you forgot, he said something like this, that, well, this might get you fired up. This game is an important game. So they want to mock us all they want to mock us. I'm telling them it's not over. So they can print all that crap all they want all over their locker room. It's not over. It'll never be over here. It's just starting.